This is the first week of a series we're calling Mark in a Month. It's actually, we're going to go through the book of, of Mark, and we're going to be going through it in February, but we're going to cheat slightly because we're going into one Sunday in March. So it'll be Mark in a Month and a Bit. But that wouldn't fit on the cover of your book, so we're just calling it Mark in a Month. Um, so the goal of this series is to hear God speak to you personally through the Bible. And what we want to do with Mark in a Month is to show you a method for daily Bible readings that you can try out for yourself to encourage you to listen to God through the Bible, to help you actually to get, you get started with Mark, we are going to be doing this series now. And, okay, you can open your booklet now. Uh, and inside, you'll see two little packets tucked in. One of them is a reading plan we're going to be using. And the other one is the seven steps we'll be going through every day. Don't start reading them yet, because then you won't be paying attention to me. And I'm going to be going through them shortly. So, uh, the first question I want to ask is, what does it mean to hear God personally? If this is our goal, what does this mean? All Christians who are born again by the Spirit of God have the Spirit living within them, and because of that, God is able to speak to us all the time. There are many ways that he can do that, but one primary way is through the Bible, through his word. And if you're unsure about how God speaks, this is a good place to start. Um, and uh, God speaks to us um, about guidance, about lots of other things. And I preached a series a year ago on guidance, which if you want, if you're interested, you can look at that and I'll go through steps for guidance. Um, he speaks to us to encourage us. He speaks to us to draw us nearer to him. He speaks to us for many, many different ways. Um, we, we want then to look at some principles for how we are to hear him, how we're best to engage with him as we're reading the Bible. And one of the problems is that regular Bible reading is a struggle for more Christians than would like to admit it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands if you've ever struggled with daily reading the Bible, but I'm sure most of you would if I did ask you. Um, and the two most common complaints that people have are it's difficult to, to do it regularly, just to have a part of your routine. And the second complaint often is that it's like it can be barren or empty, like it just becomes just a routine. And I think these are linked together, because if you are really getting something from it, then it's going to be easier to do it regularly. If it's really feeding your soul, it's going to be more motivating to do this on a part of your regular schedule. And so I'm going to give you two suggestions about what commonly goes wrong with Bible reading. So one of them is you maybe you hear a talk or a sermon or something on reading the Bible, you get really excited and you're gonna you're gonna really do this well and you you know buy some books and buy you're gonna be maybe even buy a commentary on the book you're going through and you're you're all set up and you're really gonna study this and you've got very ambitious plans for Bible reading. 
But what happens is, you know, the first day you're there and you're reading, your readings make a very determined start. And the next day, maybe you find the pace a bit hot, you don't do so much. But you begin to bog, be bogged down with a huge amount of, of uh, stuff that's been, been um, uh, taken on. And eventually, uh, the amount of scripture you have to read each day, it's just too much and you start dropping days. And when you start dropping days, you think, oh, I've failed, you're behind schedule, and then it, it completely stops. Um, so... The problem with this method is we're mixing up two things that are both important. One of them is actually studying to find what the truth is. Like what I want to do a study on on baptism. What's baptism about? And and that's an important thing. But that is Bible study, which is different to a devotional regular Bible reading. Both of them have their place. But your goal on your, your regular devotional reading is not to actually come to grips with a particular topic. And that is really important not to get those two confused. So another common problem that you hear is that it's like prepackaged food. You get, um, you get um, a reading plan and it gives you a Bible reference, maybe on your phone, and some thoughts about it. You don't even have to think. You can just read it through, precious thoughts for the day based on that verse, and it's done. And You've discovered, you know, I wasn't even thinking about it. My mind was somewhere else while I was reading it. It's just become a ritual. I'm just kind of going through the motions. It's an app. It gives me the verse. It's given me some thoughts. The trouble with this is that you're not hearing the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You're hearing what he spoke to someone else who wrote those notes. And the goal is to engage with the scriptures yourself. And... I'm going to suggest that if you do that, if you engage with the scriptures yourself, then you will be blessed through this. And so our purpose here is communion with God. That is our goal for reading the Bible. And uh, I'm, uh, a couple of principles we're going to have here. The first is the need for the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2.12, it says, Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And so the, the, the scripture, the spirit rather, is the one who helps us to understand this. So this is why it's important to pray before reading, to really engage him and ask him that he'll show you, and to be dependent on God as you're reading. And uh, realize that we can so easily read our own thoughts into the passage and, and miss really what the main point is. And so we have to have a submissive dependence on the Spirit as we're reading. But the, the second point is that this dependence, this spirit speaks through our understanding. In that verse we read that we might understand by the things freely given us by God. So it's, not, it's no good to take your Bible and put it under your pillow before you go to sleep and say, God, you know, there's the word. Please just communicate it to my, to my mind as I'm sleeping. You know, you can do that, Lord. I don't need my understanding. I just need the word. And that can... I, can the, the, can permeate my mind and you know it, it has to come actually through our understanding 
through when Jesus was on this world, he spoke words in the language they could understand, and they understood it, and they either believed or they didn't, but he communicated in words. And so the Spirit is the one who helps us understand the things freely given us by God. And the third point, the third principle here that we're going to be engaging in this method is meditating on the word. And by meditate, I don't mean um, sit down cross-legged on the top of a mountain with your hands raised and your eyes closed. That's kind of my mindless. What we're talking about is being mindful about what you're reading and allowing that truth just to seep into you. Um, in, in Psalm 1 verse 2, it says, Blessed is the man, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. And so this method helps you to do that, helps you to soak in the truth that's there in God's word. So, seven steps, and, I'm, and these are printed out in your brochure, but I'm going to be reading them through now and going through what these are. And those of you who were here last week, we, we saw a video of this gentleman here, and this is what he looked like when I met him back in 1981, and he shared this a method with me, and you saw the video last week of him sharing the story of how he came across it, how he'd been so totally blessed and still is, and I've been blessed since that time by teaching this method to countless number of people. I'm blessed through the years. I'm still doing it, and um, and uh, I'm I'm going to be working doing it with you as we go through Mark. And uh, but this is Andrew Young, who's from New Zealand, and he was visiting us for a year in England, and he taught us this method of Bible reading that he'd learned. So here are the seven steps. <clears throat> Step number one: begin with prayer that God will bless His Word through the Spirit. Begin with prayer. So that's the first step. We begin with prayer. Uh, the second step is to read through the day's passage prayerfully, asking God to help you understand as you read. And here are two, three key points about this. First of all, you always follow a plan of reading that takes you right through a book, starting each day where you left off the previous day. And we'll see later why that's important for this method. <clears throat> Never plan to read too much, or there will not be time for the meditation. 10 to 15 verses is usually ideal, depending on the kind of book. Sometimes the story is very short. Your story might just be five verses. Just stick to the story size. In the epistles, it may be much less, because there's so much content. In narratives such as the Old Testament, it may be more. You know, you maybe have a single story with Abraham, and it's 20 verses. Well, go with that, if that's what it is. Try to find the natural breaks in the book and stick to these. So the first thing then you do is you identify the passage and you read through. Uh, the next step is having read the passage at least once, take out a notebook or journal, which you have now in front of you, uh, kept specially for this purpose. Note down at the top of the page the passage reference, and that's useful for being able to go back and uh, find it, the date and in as few words as possible, a title that you can think of for the passage. Now, the act of finding a title is going to be interesting. We're going to see this in a minute. Um, to find a title, 
you actually have to think about the passage, and it's kicking off the process of meditation. This isn't about getting a perfect title. This isn't about getting you know, the best possible title. Um, that's not the, the important thing is it's one that you come up with, and the, the important thing is that you just think a little bit about what is in the passage so that you can do that. And you'll find that, that doing this begins the process of thinking, what is actually this passage about? So that's the title. Then comes the central part, point four, one of the most important parts. List four or five events or facts in order from the passage. The very act of having to recognize and note these down is a great help in understanding what has been read. What's more, it makes you stop and think. And once you, this is really the core to what you're doing. You'll just write each, each part, you'll summarize. You know, in the story of Abraham, it might be God told Abraham to, to go and uh, make a sacrifice. The next one is Abraham got up early in the morning and took his son. And you just, just very summary things. But once you start doing that, you'll be thinking about what's happening in the passage. And you might start noticing things you didn't notice when you read it through the first time. And uh, I, I, can, uh, I can attest to that. Then when we've done that, we've got, some, uh, we've got three, three things to do, which are much shorter. We, we look back at yesterday's passage. Can I see a connection? The Bible is not a random collection of precious truths, but it's organized so the ideas in one passage relate to those before and after and to the flow of the whole book. Much richness can often be gained by relating these ideas together. If you can see a connection with the previous passage or with the theme of the book, jot it down. If you can't, don't feel you have to. And I'm going to give an example in a minute, and you're going to see how this works. Six, ask yourself what the writer was trying to accomplish with this passage. What was the message of the passage for those who originally read it? Or what is the timeless truth? As you can see, these questions are designed to get you meditating on the word. The message may have been something specific teaching in an epistle, something to learn about Christ in a gospel, something in the Old Testament about how God related to men and women, etc. Um, but the, the value of doing this step is there's a temptation to jump straight to what it's saying to me. And if you do this step, what was it saying to them? It really enriches the final question, which is the most important question. What is it saying to me? I've been in times where I, I wouldn't be able to say that. I wouldn't be able to answer that straight away. But the process of, uh, of doing number six enables me to do number seven. Number seven, we come to the most important question. How does this message relate to my life? Write down how the message should make a difference to my thought or actions. You may find that the Spirit continues to speak to you from the passage throughout the rest of the day. See, once you've done this process, the passage is in your head, and you won't be able to get it out of your head. And as you go through the day, you may have some more things popping in to your head that are coming from that. Um, what, we've, what we've discovered as people have, 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 have looked at how do people learn, how do, how do people take things in, it's when you actually try and recall what you've, remember, what you've read, that's when you actually learn it.
And the process of not just reading the Bible, but trying to recall it into these points actually embeds it into you and it will continue to come back to you through the day. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give you an example passage in the book of Matthew and then I'm going to, together we're going to do the first one in Mark. We're actually going to do today's together and you're going to be writing in your books in just a minute. So let's go back then and we're going to now look at um, a passage in Matthew and look at how we might be reading this. So we're going to look at a passage in Matthew chapter 5, 13 to 16. So I want you to be paying attention because I'm going to ask you in a minute um, about what you think a title is. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its flavor, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by people. You are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not light a lampstand and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so they can see your good deeds and give honor to your Father in heaven. I'm actually just going to stick to those four verses because really that is, that is the chunk. That's what, that's what the, the unit really is. So um, let me ask you then, uh, let's have a little look. What would you say? Give me some suggestions as to a title for this. All-powerful, interacting with the world. Yep. You are salt and light. Okay. Salt and light. Okay. All right. So it, does, it needn't be more complicated than something like salt and light. It needn't be. Uh, you can do what... There's no wrong answer here. I'm not going to be grading your books, by the way. <laughs> I'm, you're, it's yours. No one else is going to see it. So... It need, it's not that there's not a wrong answer there's, unless you've not thought about it. Uh, so I called it salt and light. So I'm going to take you through my own answers here. Um, you are like salt, don't use your flavor, don't lose your flavor. So that's really short summary of the first one. You are like light to people. So that's verse 14 summarized. Verse 15, the lamp and the lampstand I put. Lights are always put somewhere they can shine. So I'm being very simple here, just stating the facts, summarizing the facts. Um, your Christ-like deeds should be visible and bring God glory. So that's verse 16 summarized. <clears throat> now, I want to say that I've... One of the mistakes I made through the years in doing this Bible reading was getting a booklet to write in that was too big. I found that whatever size it was, I would fill it. And it would take me, it would be far more of a burden for me because I was, so deliberately I'm giving you one that's fairly small because I don't want this to become a burden. In fact, I'm going to suggest to you, you should be able to do this in 10 minutes. Now, you may want to spend more than 10 minutes and that's great if you do. Um, you may want to spend time praying afterwards, and that's great. But the important thing is you don't need to allocate more than 10 minutes. If you're on a tight schedule, you can do it in 10 minutes. 
And there's not many of us that can't slip 10 minutes into a schedule. So deliberately, this can be done in 10 minutes. Um, it's up to you if you want to do it longer. But I, if it starts becoming legalism, it starts becoming a burden, then you're going to find you're not doing it. So then we got the context. What we will do is look at these verses and say, what came before? We read them yesterday. It was the Beatitudes. Blessed are those that weep. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know, blessed. And it's all the blesseds. And so it's pretty obvious that um, this is what saltiness means from the previous verses. So it kind of explains, it's really actually quite important because otherwise, what is, it, what is salt? You know, it's kind of empty. But okay, salt and light are what Jesus has just been talking about. So that's, that's what the context is. Uh, the next thing is what it meant then. Followers of Jesus have a responsibility to live out his teachings and influence his society, influence society which will bring God glory. Now, it's very important, as you'll see, to get this statement down, and then, then you'll be able to say, well, how does this relate to me? Then you can say, ah, right, so how am I to be salt and light in my life? And as I read this, I thought, I need to find more opportunities in workplace situations with unbelievers where I can demonstrate what it looks like to follow Jesus. I've got an application. Now, the application, this is a fairly specific one. It could be fairly general, like um, I, it makes me want to love Jesus more, or um, Jesus is so wonderful, or just something like that. Or uh, it could be um, something like this passage brings me hope that I've got, you know, I've got such a wonderful future in Jesus because of his love. So, no, don't, don't feel it has to be uh, a point that, you know, an action that you have to take that day, although it may well be. But uh, the, the advantage of this, at this point, you are much better able to give an application than if you just read the passage through once. <clears throat> because the Spirit has been working and you've been going through this process of meditation and <clears throat> now you're able to think, what does this mean? How does this relate to me? Okay, so are you ready to try it out for real? Okay, so open your books up and get your pens out, and we're going to be doing this for real now. And um, what I'm going to do is ask you to write at the top of the page, don't write the title yet, write the date on one side, and the passage we're going to read is Mark chapter 1, Verses 1 through 20. What was step one? Praying. So let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would speak to us through this passage. You will open our hearts to hear your word. Holy Spirit, just make these truths in our lives spiritual food for us. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a fairly long passage, 20 verses. And it's 20 verses because Mark gets started with this kind of interesting introduction. I mean, we could have cut it into more than one piece, but I decided to put it all together because it's, it's kind of following the same connected theme. So I'm going to read it to you now. And as I'm reading it to you now, have a think about what a title could be. Write it down, and then we're going to have a few minutes sharing what people have come up with. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God, 
As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. In the wilderness, John the baptizer began preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. People from the whole Judean countryside and all of Jerusalem were going out to him and he was baptizing them in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. John wore a camel, a garment sorry, made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, one more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to bend down and untie the strap of his sandals. I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Spirit descended on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my dear son, in you I take great delight. The spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, enduring temptations from Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels were ministering to his needs. Now, after John was imprisoned, Jesus went into Galilee and, and proclaimed the gospel of God, he said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the Gospels. And he went along the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea for their fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will turn you into fishers of people. They left their nets immediately and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Jebedee, Zebedee and John, his brother, in their boat mending nets. Immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. By the way, um, when I divided up Mark to start with, I actually printed Mark out on lots of pieces of paper. And do you know how long it takes to read through the whole of Mark all in one go? I thought it would take hours, but it, I did it in about 90 minutes. So it doesn't, and that, like, that's not rushing through, that's going through. So it doesn't take long to go through the whole thing. And so I went through and I, and I just divided it up. Um, often the breaks in your Bible are, they're good breaks, places where it puts breaks in. But ignore the titles your Bible puts in, because that's going to stop you thinking. Try and put a different title to what your Bible puts in. Um, so what titles do we have for the passage? Who would like to suggest something? John introduces Jesus. Yep. Repentance and baptism, water and the Holy Spirit. Yep. These are all great. Yep. The beginning of Jesus' ministry. So all of these are valid titles. And I'm going to show you now um, what I had as my titles. See, here are some possible titles that I came up with. John prepares, Jesus appears. I know that's kind of a... <laughs> um, uh, the beginning. 
you know, that's the beginning. Because what struck me when I was reading it, I thought, wow, it was prophesied so long ago. Like, well, how exciting was this? Like, if you were there, at the this is the thing. It's, it's beginning already. Jesus comes preaching a new kingdom. Much more of a sort of prosaic statement. Um, Jesus is baptized by John and begins ministry. So, you know, our, there's no right or wrong for the title. The, the wrong is if you don't bother about putting a title in because you've not, it's too much effort for you. But putting a title in, going through that process, is what the point is. So everybody write whatever title you want in there. And please write your own. Don't write, write one of mine. All I want you to do then is I'm going to read the verses. or um, Yeah, I'll read the verses. And you can write your point down for it. So the first one is going to be uh, verses 1 through 3 there. And I'll read it. Actually, no, you can read it. Just look, look at it yourself, those, those first three verses. Have a look. Part of the reason for getting you to do this today is um, empty white sheets of paper are scary because you don't want to spoil them, and I'm making you spoil your book. So you start it, and you're more likely to carry on if you've actually started it. So... Um, uh, Anybody want to suggest to me what title they come up with? So, sorry, su summary of the first point. Prophecy about John the messenger. The foretold messenger comes, preparing the way. These are, yeah, these are, these are great. I'll, I'll show you what. So I did this a um, number of years ago, and I, I redid it um, yesterday for, to, for the sermon today. And uh, I came up. This is what I had when I did it years ago. Isaiah prophesied someone to prepare the way. And when I did it yesterday, I got Isaiah prophesied John and Jesus. So <clears throat> very similar to the kind of things that you're, that you're um, doing there. Okay, so let's go back then to, um, to Mark. <clears throat> so let's look at the next section, which is verses 4 through 8. Um, read that together. And we'll come up with a point summary for that. Let's have some suggestions. <clears throat> Baptizing the masses, the powerful one is coming. Okay. Yep. That's good. So John, John is John baptized with repentance. Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Catching two key ideas there. Okay. John prepares the way for Jesus by preaching gospel of repentance and, and the Holy Spirit that Jesus will bring. Yeah. Okay, so like I said, there's no, there's no wrong answer unless you don't bother or it's just too big a writing whole essay. So um, the important thing <coughs> is that you have actually been forced to read it again and actually think, what is this actually saying? And <coughs> um, so when I was reading the, um, the passage on Jesus feeding the 5,000, um, I remember, like, when I read it through, it was great. But when I did the notes, I, I saw at the beginning it said, Jesus was filled with compassion. Oh, wow. I didn't notice that the first time I was reading through. But, hey, that is so important. And just it forces you to notice things and enables the spirit to just bring, highlight things in your mind as you're reading it through. Okay. So I'll, I'll show you what I got for this. Um, so the first... When I did it years ago, I got John preached preach repentance, but pointed to someone greater and the coming of the Spirit. And then yesterday I got John was baptizing people, but said one more powerful was coming. Okay, so you don't have to capture every single truth that's in there. 
Um, and partly I'm giving you an example of a, a more, like a long passage today, 20 verses, which is harder to do, because it forces us to actually do the method properly and not, and, and really make the point summaries. So read verses 9 through 11. Okay, some suggestions. Confirming that he's the Son of God. Yep. Yep, John baptizes Jesus and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. Like a dove came to heaven, came from heaven to Jesus, the Son is confirmed. Yes. Okay, so I'll, sh I'll show you what I got for this. Jesus was baptized, receiving the Spirit and the Father's love. And then yesterday I had John baptized the Spirit. Jesus, the Spirit descended on him and the Father spoke. I like the, the older one better, actually. Jesus was baptized, received the Spirit and the Father's love. But, you know, it's just very factual, but it's the core points of what's happening. Let's go back then. Now we're going to read uh, verses 12, through thir 12 and 13, so it's a little shorter. Suggestions. Perfect. Jesus went in the wilderness and resisted temptation. What else? Yeah, this, he didn't just wander into the desert, but the Spirit drove him into the desert, which is prophetic of what God does with us—that we actually takes us into trials. Did you notice the Spirit spoke to her as she was reading? Then, so this happened. So just be aware that as you're reading through, you're going to have these things pop up. He wasn't alone. Yeah, so the Spirit drove him to the wilderness, but he wasn't alone. Uh, another one more title. Jesus endured temptation for 40 days. Yeah. Okay. And I'll show you what I had here. The Spirit led Jesus into conflict. Very simple. And then I had the Spirit drove him into the wilderness for 40 days of testing. So similar to what you guys had. Now we have verses 14 and 15. So read those two verses. It's quite an amazing passage, isn't it? Because he's compressed so much into it. Suggestions, Jesus begins his ministry, calls for repentance and belief in the, the good news. Yes. Yep, Jesus proclaimed the gospel in Galilee and told them to repent and believe. There we are. Very, that's very minimal, but really good. Jesus preached, the kingdom is near, repent and believe. Yeah. Okay, and I'll show you what, uh, what I had for that. Jesus preached the kingdom. Once John was in prison, Jesus started preaching the kingdom. Now we're going to do the last one, which is verse 16 through to verse 20. So read that chunk, and we will do our, our sixth point. I'll give you a little bit more time to read it because it's a longer passage. Okay, suggestions. Simon, Andrew, James, and John joined Jesus' ministry. Jesus calls his first disciples and they immediately follow. There you go. He's got fishermen turned into fishers of men. There you go. There you go. Um, so um, you don't have to get a cool snappy title, but they're fun when you do. <laughs> and so what I had the previous time I got, he called fishermen to follow him. And then yesterday I had, he called fishermen, Simon, Andrew, James and John to follow him. Okay, so let's think, how does this relate to the context of the, the book? Well, it doesn't relate to a previous passage because there was no previous passage. Um, or, 
Isaiah, it links to Isaiah. Yeah, yeah. How, how would, how would uh, what would you say um, to answer that? Well, let me just give you a suggestion. Um, it's really, it's the book as a whole. How does this relate to Mark as a whole? Well, you write it down. And then we'll share what people have written. How do you think this relates, or even the Bible as a whole? Like, what's the context of this verse? What's the big picture of this verse? So I'm sorry I'm rushing you a bit. Of course, if you're doing this yourself, you take whatever time you need. But um, I'm, some of you might not have had quite enough time to do this properly. Um, for me, when I read this and I started thinking about this, I got so excited that Wow, this, this is something they've been waiting for so long. And I put, for centuries, the world had been waiting for this moment. Like you said down with Isaiah, you know, it's the whole kind of the prophetic moment has happened. And then yesterday I put, introduction to Mark, how it all started. All right, so what about the message? What is the message that Mark that Mark intended us to get through this? Like, what's the, the timeless truth? I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here. Um, but um, what would be an example of a timeless truth? Um, and I'm going to suggest that you maybe focus in on the last of the points here, the sixth one. As like, what is John trying to... What's the challenge here? Not for you personally, but what is the general challenge of this passage? Um, looking at the last point, but maybe the last three points, uh, how could it be challenging? Just write something down. This is not about you yet. The next one is about you. This is about how everybody in the world should be challenged by this. Leave everything behind and follow Jesus. Okay. Jesus came from God to preach the kingdom and call people to follow him. Okay, you've got a lot in there. God's promises are fulfilled and we should follow him and leave, leave everything else. Yeah, so I got here, um, Jesus is different, does not compare with John the Baptist. If he called you, would you drop everything and follow him? So that, um, I guess I'm trying to summarize the whole thing there, but... Um, uh, then yesterday I got, Jesus was authenticated by John, the Father, and the Spirit, follow him. So, um, like I said, um, the process of doing this is making you think, and, and this is a spiritual activity, so you be praying the whole time you're doing this. It's not just one prayer at the beginning, but God, just show me, like, what could I put here? What is the essence here? Now, when it comes to the last point, I want you to, to put something down. We're just going to pray again, because this is for real now. We're not, this isn't an experiment this morning. This is for real. We're hearing from God, and you may hear something from God this morning that's really important for you. Lord, we pray that as we're reading these verses about Jesus coming to this earth, Lord, speak to each one of us what you're saying to us about our lives right now. Bless us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So it may be words of encouragement, it may be words of direction, it may be words of um, helping you to appreciate God in some way. Lots of different kinds of messages, but just think and write something down right now. Okay. So I'm not going to ask you to share this because 
some of these can be very personal. And um, so you can just, uh, you know, I, what I would suggest is that um, as we're having food together in just a minute, um, this is something you can share how, what you came up with at the end if you, if you feel comfortable with that. What I put down, uh, the, when I read it years ago, my response was, yes, Lord. I drop everything and willingly give myself to you. And that was like feeling that came up in my heart. And when I did it yesterday, it was in some way, this call is to me as well. What do I need to leave that I've not already left? And what happened was, this got into my head. And as I was going through the day, I was thinking, nets, hmm, nets. What are my nets? What, are they, what is it? Um, is it how I make a livelihood? Is God asking me? No, not necessarily that. Um, but would I be willing to? Would I be willing to give up my livelihood if that's what it came to? Um, and then I came to, okay, so what is the cost in my life now of following Jesus? Because if, if there's not a cost, then I'm not really following him. What is the cost that I'm, that I paid right, that I'm, that I'm paying right now for following him? And I thought that and, that, and that kind of went round in my mind. And um, uh, I, it was really, really a good experience to do that. I'm going to give you, this is my final slide to kind of sum this up. And one, one of the questions is that most of what you're going to be reading is stories. Most of the Bible is stories, at least half of it is. And most of the New Testament um, Actually, not most, but a good portion of the New Testament is. In Mark, it's all going to be stories. <clears throat> and how do we relate to stories? <clears throat> so, um, story with, with epistles, it's easy. You know, you've got a teaching, and it's very, you know, you should do this or whatever. It's, 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 but a story, how do I relate? Well, I've got some suggestions. First of all, we get to know Jesus through the stories. As we hear the story, we, we come to know him, his emotions, how he treats people, etc. So one thing to be alert for as you're reading this week in Mark is how am I getting to know this Jesus in the stories? The second thing is um, try putting yourself into the story. Like if I was on the beach there and I was a fisherman and Jesus said, leave your nets and follow me, now where would I be? Uh, like what, what would I think if I saw John the Baptist and I heard him saying there's one coming? Uh, put yourself into there, either as a person who's healed or the person who's watching or something like that. And that's a good, that's a good way of relating to stories. The next one is try bringing Jesus out of the story and into your story now. Like if Jesus was here right now, what would he tell me? You know, a bad driver has just cut me off and just really done something very stupid. But Jesus, what do you think about that? Don't be so silly, Andrew. Like that's not a big deal. Just be thankful for what you have and don't get annoyed about that driver. You know, having Jesus present in our situation right now, uh, and we know him through the stories. And so that can, be, uh, that can be valuable. Jesus was concerned about their needs. Would he be concerned about mine? So, so bring this Jesus in that's concerned about the 5,000 who are hungry and say, you know, would he be concerned about me? Well, of course he would. He would show me compassion just as he showed them compassion. And then the last one is ask the Spirit. How, how Holy Spirit does this story speak into my life right now? So I'm going to pray right now that this, during this week, is a blessed time for us. So let's pray, shall we? 
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've spoken to us through your word. Thank you, you've given us your spirit to help us understand. And Lord, we pray that this may be a rich experience this month as we go through your life and that we would, each of us, really be, uh, have your word spoken deeply into us as we get to know you better. In Jesus' name, amen.